Well, God is good. And all the time. Hey, my name's Reverend Mike. Grateful to bring the message to you today. We welcome you joining us at church online. We pray that God blesses you. Well, there was an Academy Award winning movie that came out in the late 1990s. It's called Goodwill Hunting. In that movie, Matt Damon plays someone named Will Hunting. He gets a new girlfriend, Skylar, played by Mimi Driver. There's a scene in the movie where it's a nice spring day. They're at a cafe, but they're outside at a small table, Will and Skylar. Skylar is there working on her like, advanced chemistry homework. Skylar has a bright future in front of her. She's brilliant. She is a senior at Harvard University, and she's going to go on to do big and great things. Well, with quite the contrast, her new boyfriend across from her is Will. Will is a delinquent. Will is on probation. Will comes with a whole lot of baggage. He was in foster care going from family to family, abused in, the, in many of those situations. Well, you also need to know this about Will. Will is a genius. He has a memory where he can memorize pretty much anything, and he has an ability to solve advanced math equations. Will is incredible. Well, as Skylar's there working on her homework, Will gets a little bit agitated. He wants to go and he says, hey, Skylar, let me do that homework for you so we can go out and we can have some fun. Well, Skylar, she gets a bit miffed and sets down her pencil. And the scene turns into time, kind of a, a tender scene where a girlfriend's starting to get to know her boyfriend a little bit more. Skylar says to Will, Will, how do you do this? There are a lot of really smart people at Harvard, and they can't just do this. They have to work really hard. I'm working really hard at this. But you can just see this work that takes other people weeks and weeks to even begin to understand an assignment like this, and you can just do it like that. How do you do this? Well, Will says back to Skylar, he goes, uh, well, do you play the piano? Skylar just like, oh gosh, he's going to avoid the question here. And he goes, no, no, no. Can you play the piano? And she says a little bit. Well, he says, Skylar, think about Mozart. Whenever he saw the piano, he could just play. Mozart, Beethoven, when they saw the piano, they could just play. Skylar, I couldn't paint you a beautiful picture. Skylar, I couldn't uh, probably hit the ball out of Fenway Park. I definitely don't play the piano. But when it comes to stuff like this, this advanced work, it's something I can always do. I can just play. You know, the unexplainable, it always intrigues us. When we hear about the unexplainable, we want answers. We want to know how do they do what they do. Right now, my Instagram algorithm, I have a lot of illusionists now with the card tricks. I don't know how people do all those card tricks. You know what I'm talking about? It's amazing. They know what cards you're going to pick. And there's some other ones going on right now where these mentalists seem to know what you're thinking. We want answers for the 
unexplainable. What do we do with that as Christian people? Well, I think one of the first things we need to do with that as Christian people is that when we have questions in our minds and hearts, if we bring it home a little bit, we need to know that there is a God who wants to answer those questions that we have. We need to know that there is a God who even wants to answer unexplainable things to us. The Bible says in Jeremiah that God says, come and seek me and I will tell you unsearchable things. Friends, we have a God who wants to answer our questions. Today we'll be in the book of Matthew. Matthew's written about 30 years after Jesus is resurrected. There's a group of people during that time who have some questions about what seemed to be the unexplainable. Think about it. Being Christian 30 years after Jesus was resurrected, you never met him physically. Uh, the gospel's going around, Israel is going around the Mediterranean. Lives are being changed. Your life's being changed. You're seeing God answer these prayers. How wonderful. Yet, you start to wonder about how did Jesus, wait a minute, Jesus is God, he died. How did he come to this earth? How does what we would understand this whole incarnate deity thing work? How is God both man and God? There were questions that were starting to emerge that they didn't have all the answers to. Matthew becomes a gift to us where those questions can be answered to the audience and us today. We also got to think about the character we're going to look at today. His name is Joseph, and he really is going to embody some deep questions that we all have. Joseph's going to go through something very difficult. It's going to put him in a bit of a dilemma, and he's going to have to process through some really difficult things. He has questions that he needs answers for. Oh, friends, do you have any questions today that you need answers for? Oh, friends, is there something that you need to bring before the Lord that only he can answer? Maybe it's something from your past. Maybe it's something from today. Maybe it's something to do with the future. Maybe it's your health. Maybe it's family or friends or finances or something else inside yourself. We have a God who wants to answer our questions, hallelujah, but then why doesn't God just answer all of our questions? If this is true, pastor, why doesn't God answer the questions that we have? Well, first of all, we've got to bring him the questions. But two, I also think there are times that we get out of a posture, we get into a posture, and then get out of a posture, and we don't realize that that posture or that process, that's a godly process, a Christian process, when we jump out of it, we don't get the answers to our questions. Let me say it like this. Sometimes I think in Christianity, it's like saying that you wanna learn about world history. And you say, okay, I'm gonna sign up for a course on world history. You sign up for it, and you go to one class, and you're like, ah, I don't really wanna learn about world history anymore. Well, if, if, you, if you just drop that class, you're not gonna have all the knowledge that you could have gotten from that class if you would have stayed through the course, if you would have stayed the course. 
And I think there are times that God really wants to answer some questions that we have. God wants to answer prayers. But we just don't stay in the right posture. And so as we look at the story of Joseph today, as we kind of think about the original, um, the original audience for, for Matthew, we're going to see how God begins to explain this extraordinary question. How did Jesus come to this earth? How did this happen? And as we do that, I think we're going to understand how God can how God will answer the deep questions that we might have this day. So let's start out today in Luke chapter one, verses 18 through 19. Here's what it says. This is how, okay, let's just slow down. This is how the explanation is coming. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. So Matthew starts out and says, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. In other words, let me explain this to you. This shows right away that God wants to explain the unexplainable, that God wants us to bring whatever our questions are before him. And what the gospel wants us to understand right away, what Matthew is saying is that Jesus is significantly unique. Jesus is called the Messiah, the anointed one. Now, that is a well-known term used both in the Old Testament and during the intertestamental periods. It's saying that Jesus is different. This is not an ordinary human being. That's how Matthew is setting the stage. This is the chosen one. Often we look for who's the chosen one in something. The Bible wants to make it clear. This Jesus is the chosen one. He's the anointed. He's God's special person. But not only that, he's a special person with a special mission. He has a special task in front of him. That is to save God's people. It's to save all people. Now, why is Matthew clearing up this picture of Jesus? Well, one reason is that, of course, the, the people of the time thought that the Messiah would come in and, and drive out the Romans and make kind of the Hebrew nation the preeminent one of the world. In other words, there was an idea going on that if Jesus shows up, he's going to put everyone in his place. You ever want Jesus to show up like that in your life? Like, put everyone in their place, Lord. <laughs> Matthew wants people to know then that God is sovereign, that God is all-powerful, but he's not gonna put people in their place as some might think. Jesus is the Messiah, the anointed one, but his mission is bigger than just what was happening that day and getting revenge on enemies of the people of that time. 
He saw the long game. Jesus had a special purpose, and he was a special man. Why else is Matthew trying to clear up this picture of Jesus? Well, because there's going to be conspiracy theories going around about Jesus. People are using Jesus' words in the wrong way. This was an oratory culture where most teaching was just done from one teacher talking. There was nothing written really down at all. So there were going to be conspiracy theories. Whenever there's an extraordinary event, conspiracy theories always follow, right? Like the moon landing. So the moon landing happened. As time went on, you know, it was believed, what, or some people started to say the conspiracy theory that it was really just done in Hollywood, right? There wasn't really a moon landing. Another conspiracy theory uh, is that Elvis is still alive. And for the young ones out there, that's like the Taylor Swift of the time. Swifties. I remember I was in, it was in the 90s and I was going through the supermarket line, I think with my grandma, but they used to have these like uh, papers there that always would have some type of conspiracy theory on it and it was supposed to be a picture of Elvis, like a current picture of Elvis even though it was in black and white, white and he looked like a 60 year old man and he was opening up presents with his family. Elvis is still alive. Because why, why, did they, why was that such a big deal? Because he was an incredible performer, 42-year-old man. How could he just die? There's gotta be another reason. He's gotta be alive. Conspiracy theories. What the Bible is telling us here that's really important and telling the original audience is that there was a plan in place There's no conspiracy. There's no cover-up about Jesus. How did this birth of Jesus happen? This happened by God's plan and by God's power. This was no accident, friends. This was not human initiative. This was God's plan. The God of the universe planned to send Jesus, the Messiah, into the world. He did it even before there was time, but he planned it throughout human history as well. There was a plan, there was power that brought Jesus into this, onto this earth. Friends, Jesus was not an accident. And what does this do? If Jesus was not an accident, if there was a plan and there was power, what does this push up against? It pushes up against the idea that God, God doesn't care. I mean, still to this day, all over the world, Whenever it comes up into a debate about God, people will say, well, God doesn't care about this world. Look at all the evil that happens in this world. This pushes against that idea that God doesn't care, that God is not just uh, up in the sky watching a demolition derby occur with our lives. God cares. The divine plan is coming together when we look at this text. And sometimes I've heard Christians who say, well, I believe that. I believe that God somehow brought Jesus together at the perfect time. I believe that those prophecies hundreds and hundreds of years before were fulfilled. But that doesn't mean really God cares about me. But I want you to know if that thought is kind of rolling around up there, that's really the antithesis of the gospel message. God making all this happen by sending Jesus to this earth very much says that God cares about you and cares about your life. Friends, God had a plan for Jesus and God has a plan 
for you. God has a plan for Jesus and God has a plan for you. You know, when we begin to dig into this birth story, which is a good thing to do annually, so good that it's a part of our Christian tradition, the reason why we need to dig into this birth story is because we begin to then gain confidence about God working in our lives. When we begin to think about how God put everything together to send Jesus to this earth, you know what that does? As we glorify and focus on Christ, it reminds us that God can bring everything together in our lives. It reminds us that even right now, if you're in the midst of turmoil and you're not quite sure how things are going to work out, being in church right now is a great place to be. Digging into this story and this biblical text is great because you know what's gonna happen when you leave here? You're gonna be a little bit more convinced that God's got a plan for you and it's gonna work out. It's good to dig into this. As you dig into it, and you have more confidence that God sent this Messiah to this earth at the perfect time, you're gonna believe this God with unlimited power and unlimited love is working in your life. God had a plan for Jesus, friend, and God has a plan for you. It's important for us to figure that out. It's important for us to have that little bit of belief. You know, this season from a secular notion every year, we got this idea about believe. It's believe in Santa, you know, it's silliness, silliness. And I, well, I watch Christmas movies, but you know, it's all garbage. Uh, <laughs> but you know what is right about that? The idea of belief being powerful, that's a true thing. We have to believe that God has a plan for Jesus first. Put it on Jesus. And, and, and then as we do that, we'll believe that God has a plan for us. When we think about God answering the questions that we have, I want you to know belief is a part of that. You can't just say, okay, God, answer my questions. I don't believe in you. Come on. Come on. Come on. <laughs> That's not faith. Faith pleases God. We have to believe in Jesus. We have to do acts of faith. And as we do that, we will gain confidence that God has a plan for us. God has a plan for you. God had a plan for Mary and Joseph. God had a plan for Jesus coming to this earth. But there's some other questions going on here in the first century. Even back then, they'd be like, yeah, I know that, I get it. I see God working in my life, but how did this like happen? I mean, how was a baby born? First century people realized there was only one way that a, a baby uh, came into uh, this world. Babies don't just pop out of thin air. The stork doesn't bring in babies. And as people begin to hear about how Mary and Joseph were engaged, they start to wonder if things got a little bit out of order. It wasn't first came love, first come marriage, then come baby in the baby carriage. They're like, oh, Maybe things were a little bit out of order. Well, as we established last week, engagement in the first century Israel was not like engagement today. Engagement lasted about a year. It was a permanent relationship. It was equivalent to marriage in almost every way, including there was a binding contract. During the engagement, the man was already the husband, but the woman remained in her father's house. The marriage was completed when the husband took the betrothed 
to his home and after a public ceremony, and thus they came together and sex could begin. Mary and Joseph in this story were not beyond the point of a public ceremony. They were still in this one-year engagement period. Mary was still living with her parents. Joseph then, when he finds out that Mary's pregnant and probably second trimester pregnant, you know, there's, for him, there's only one reasonable answer for Mary's pregnancy. Mary cheated on him. I mean, what options, other options could there be? And this is when the questions that Joseph had begin to bubble to the surface, deep questions, you know, about his reputation, about what this meant, what he thought about Mary, what other people will say about Mary, about his future. And frankly, the dilemma is, what is he gonna do in the scenario? And here's what it says in Luke chapter one. God needs to step in. Here's what it says. As he considers this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. We got a divine interruption here. Really, really cool. Divine interruption. And we'll talk a little bit about Joseph and why he was pliable for this divine interruption. But every once in a while, you know, we make a plan, and then God comes in, and he changes that plan. Divine interruption. Have you ever made a plan before? And that plan had to change? This is a serious plan. Sometimes there has to be some type of interruption. You know, as a dad, I loved the stage where my children were about three or four years old, and I could play a joke on them, and they couldn't differentiate if it was a joke or not. So I'd play a joke, and they couldn't figure it out. Love love that. There was one game that I uh, came up with to play with my girls when they were like three or four called the sleeping game. Now the sleeping game was basically like I was struggling with bouts of narcolepsy throughout the day. So the kids would be kind of playing somewhere and I'd be around them and then I would just fall asleep. Just pretend to fall asleep right in front of them. So they were playing, then I'd just go and I'd start snoring like (sighs) Now, I do that for a while. When they were young, it was like really cute because if my wife Valerie was around, they didn't know that it was just a game. So they would go and uh, they would say to my wife Valerie, would say, shh, shh, mommy, daddy's sleeping. Well, then, you know, they grew up a little bit, but I wanted to keep the game going. And so we'd be at the dinner table and we'd be eating and then I'd just fall asleep while we're eating dinner. And of course, then it started turning into a little bit of laughter. Daddy, wake up, wake up. I'd keep going. And then if I'd do it again, and then they would, they would start to yell, Daddy, wake up. I'm, so, I'm taking this thing. I had a plan. I'm taking this thing to the next level. So you know, there was one day, Valerie and my younger daughter, who was like four at the time, Ava, she was on the couch playing a game. It's the middle of the day, and I'm on the other couch, and I said, I'm going to fall asleep. I'm gonna do this here. And if she says, she, she says, Daddy, wake up. I'm not gonna wake up. So I do the snoring thing, and she says, Daddy, wake up. And I just keep snoring. 
Well, I swear Ava's got like 10 pounds of cement in each one of her feet, but she comes running towards me. And before I could even open my eyes, I squint open my eyes and see what she was doing, she gave me a full slap right across the face <laughs> and yelled, Daddy, wake up! It's the last time I ever played the sleeping game. Did you know that? <laughs> my plans changed. Sometimes our plans have to change, friends. Joseph had a plan, and he, look, we should give Joseph some credit here. I mean, he really needs a lot of credit. He was doing his very best to figure out how to handle the situation that was before him. And we need to know that Joseph was a man who was pliable for the Holy Spirit to change his plans. He'd been hurt. This dude was hurt, deeply. He could have locked in. He could have made a public spectacle out of this. He could have got financial gain from this in some way. But he was pliable. He could have said, you know what? Someone crosses me. They'll pay. But no, that's not the type of man was. He was a man of thoughtfulness. And rather than storming off in a rage when hearing about his fiance becoming pregnant, he reflected on what he'd been told by Mary. And he was ready for God to intercede, even though he didn't think God would. How did this happen, friends? This happened because Joseph was a man of integrity. We get a lens into the person of Joseph here. And you can almost see how, why Joseph is so appealing to God. Even though he had the power to destroy another, he wouldn't do it because Joseph was a man of integrity. Joseph was open to what God was doing, and because of that, he was able to accept the right story that the angel has. The angel comes and intercedes and says to Joseph that this has happened by the power of the Holy Spirit. This has happened by the power of the Holy Spirit, Joseph. This is something from the divine. And because Joseph wasn't so locked into his own plans, he was able to go with what God had, him, had for him. Friends, it's important for us to know integrity is really important to getting to having. When we don't have integrity, I'm just gonna be honest with you, God's not gonna answer our questions. If we're struggling, that's one thing. It's okay to struggle in some areas. It's okay to struggle in areas. But when we say, I'm just not gonna have integrity, why would we expect to receive anything from the Lord? Because Joseph is a man of integrity, he gets told the name that he's supposed to call his son, his adopted son, Jesus. In other words, whenever the father is the one who names the child, that means that he is supposed to be the adopted father to the child. I was in Peru last month with a missions organization. And uh, I'm so grateful for missions. I'm grateful for the missions we have here, Honduras, we do, and Philippines, and, and we have Uganda. We do work, help with work in Uganda. I was in Peru doing some mission work, and I went to a, went to a house, uh, if you can even call it that. I was doing a home visit with a mother who had four children, and, and uh, the floor was just dirt. The walls were made of sticks and mud. They got water from a muddy hole that looks like someone just digged out 
dugout in front of their home. And there was a little girl there about the age of one of my daughters. And we, through the translator, we asked, uh, what's her situation with school? And we found out that uh, this child was out of wedlock and that the father would not claim this child. And because the father would not claim this child, she could not get an education. And I looked at this little girl just heartbroken. The, the family too, I guess the father passed away and the father wouldn't claim, it, claim the child either because of the financial obligations. It was just heartbroken. I'm so grateful for the mission organization that stepped in and given supplemental education and helping as much as they can. Because Joseph had integrity, he was gonna be entrusted with Jesus. And I just wanna give a word to maybe someone out there, especially around this Christmas time. Whenever you believe on Jesus, you become God's son or God's daughter. I know Christmas can be really rough for a lot of us out there. It can be rough this time of year. For some of us, we don't have to experience that, thanks be to God. But I even want you to know that if you have brokenness within your family, there is a God who claims you as their son and daughter. We see this through how jo Joseph, in many ways, takes care of Jesus. As we say yes to Jesus, we're part of God's family. You're part of our family. And we know God is going to take care of you. Finally, when thinking about Joseph being pliable, here's what we need to go, here's what we need to think about for answers to our questions. If we want, to ans if we want answers to our questions, we have to go where God is leading. So we've talked about belief and accountability. Now we have to go where God is leading if we want answers to our questions. Christmas time, there are so many beautiful um, sounds and sights during Christmas. Uh, the song, I love Christmas music. I love seeing the lights. Um, there's incredible stories. But I do think we need to remember that uh, in the midst of all that, we have to go where God's leading and get where God's speaking to us and not get caught up in the flow of Christmas and forget the Christ. Here's my final story. I was a part of a men's group 20 years ago, just a wonderful men's group. I mean, just so grateful for that. We had 10 to 15 men in this group and we would meet after uh, worship on Sunday nights and in a basement and we would like sincerely spend hours in the word and in prayer. Sometimes we would sing songs. It was such a special place to be. The Holy Spirit was thick there and we were encouraged and challenged. And I should say there were people from their late teens all the way to their 50s. It was just a, a precious time. Well, one evening there was one of uh, my friends named JT who walked down into the basement area. And JT said, you're not gonna believe what had happened to me over the last uh, couple of days. We need, I want you to know that JT had a lot of questions on his journey about his past, about some stuff with his father, and he didn't seem like he was getting any type of breakthrough. And so we were praying really hard that God would just begin to speak to him. There was fasting involved. We just wanted to see a brother encouraged. JT's like, you're not gonna believe what's happened to me over the last day and a half or so. And so what happened? He said, yesterday afternoon, I was reading a devotion and I, God gave us, then this, there's this scripture and this message that just spoke to me like never before. And we were like, oh, that is so cool. Have you ever had a devotion before or a message before and you felt like it was just for you? He said he had that. Then he said, I went to a church last night. He went to a vineyard church that night in Urbana, the night before in Urbana. 
And he said the pastor had the same scripture and the same type of message <laughs> that spoke to my heart earlier. And he's just kind of beaming. We're like, no way. God has broke through. You kind of know the direction that God wants to lead you. That's so cool. He said, that's not it. You know the message at our church this morning? We're like, yeah. He said, that was the same scripture that happened. We're like, this is unbelievable. We start to lose words. And he said, and finally, I was on my way to men's group tonight, and the radio station had on a devotion, and it was the same scripture and the same message. We were absolutely blown away. I will tell you about, God was leading him in a direction, friends. I will tell you, it took uh, uh, him a little bit of time to, to go with that. But as he did, we got to see God begin to bless his life in a very unique way and see questions that he had become answered. Friends, I'll just encourage you today to stick with it. When we think back on this story today, we know that we need to have a little bit of belief. Belief in Jesus. Belief in that plan that God has for our life. That's part of the process of God answering our questions too. We gotta be accountable. We gotta work on our accountability. We gotta have integrity. And then God will begin to reveal. And finally, we need to know, go where God's leading. And when we do that, God is going to lead us into something very special. So I don't know where you're at today, but I will tell you this. I know a lot of us have experienced this from this almighty God in our lives. And a lot of us are probably thinking like, that's right, Pastor, I've experienced it. I can testify to it. Some of us might be in a different spot. We know where our, a lot of our heart as a church is at today. For all those people in our community that don't know Jesus. For all those people in our community that need to know that there is a God that loves them so much that he sent his son to this earth. For those people who have struggles but don't know God. And so the last thing I'll say here I know you were given invite cards on your way into church today. Invite someone to these Christmas services that are coming this week. You know that once they get here, they're gonna hear about Jesus. They're going to be blessed by it. I encourage you, whether it's right now or right when you get out of here, send a text. Hey, come to church. You got time? Come to church. Or don't, you know, don't, don't say anything about the time. Just come to church. I know this too. You're gonna to be asked about your holiday plans this week. Don't forget to tell people you're coming to Christ church. And when you tell them you're coming to church here, say, hey, would you like to come with me? Why do we do all of that? Because we want them to know Jesus. We want them to encounter a God who says you can bring everything to me and I will tell you deep and unsearchable things. Will you pray with me? Loving God, we thank you so much for your holy word this day. We thank you that you are a God who has a plan. We thank you, God, for the truth of Jesus coming to this earth, how it pushes against the idea that you don't care about this world or that you don't care about us. You moved heaven and earth to send Jesus here. We thank you, God, that that same power can be shown in our lives as we walk with you, as you bring things together, as you answer those questions that we have. 
whether it be about our past or now the future, health or finance or just something else. You are a God who wants to reveal yourself and answer questions. And God, we think about those in our community who don't know you, who haven't heard of you, don't know of your power. God, will you just place someone on our heart right now to invite these Christmas services? Who is it, Lord, that you really just want to share with them the life-changing message of your son, Jesus? God, we thank you for this time together. We thank you for what you're doing now and for what you're about to do. And we pray through Jesus' strong name in the church said, amen.